Second uh, Corinthians 10. We can start there. subdue 
to have dominion and completely subdue it. Why was man subduing it? Man was subduing the earth because, because the enemy had been ruled, the devil had already been ruled in the earth, and it, it caused creation itself to be unruly and disobedient to God. And so, in Genesis chapter 2, another creation happens. It's, it's not even a creation, it's more of a making. In Genesis chapter 1, God speaks and things happen. In Genesis chapter 2, God actually becomes involved. He made man, he made a garden, he made trees, he made animals, and he made a wife. And all of these things happen in Genesis chapter 2. He made the manner of the ground, he breathed into him, he made a garden, and then he put Adam in the garden, he made animals, and then he made trees in the garden. And the Bible says he brought the animals in the garden. That's one thing. God did not bring all the animals in the world. God brought the animals in the garden, and Adam named them. And then God gives Adam an instruction. And he tells Adam, Adam, this is your instruction. It's very simple. You can eat of all the trees that are in this garden, not all the trees in the world, all the trees that are in this garden, and when you eat the trees in this garden, there is two in the middle, and one of them you shouldn't eat. And so, people who are in the flesh, they will ask, why was God planting the tree in the middle in the first place? Why? Why was he making Adam tempted? All he did, he could have done, was remove the tree or not plant it in the first place. But this is the thing, and that's why I want you to understand. Paul says that we may be able to punish all disobedience when our own obedience is fulfilled. And so what God was saying, Adam in the garden is not ready to face the world out there. He is not ready to fulfill the promise of dominion and subduing. Adam in the garden has done nothing to qualify him to deal with the disobedience outside. And so Adam in the garden himself must become obedient. He must have something he wants and say no because he obeys so he can punish disobedience outside. Only that makes sense. Jesus, the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 8. Hebrews 5, verse 8. Although he was a son, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Why doesn't God give obedience as a gift and tell well for your, your obedience? Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Verse 9, and once made perfect. Once made perfect by the suffering and the obedience. When Jesus
Jesus was being tempted by the devil, when Jesus was suffering, when Jesus had to obey even the death of the cross, when his obedience was made perfect, the Bible says he became the author. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. In other words, nobody would have obeyed Jesus if he was not going to be obedient. For him to be the source of salvation and to demand obedience from people, he himself had to be perfected in obedience. And so then it tells you that in Second Corinthians chapter 10, Bible says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so, there are many believers who want to cast out demons out there and to have dominion and to subdue, and they are not subdued and obedient in themselves. And so God puts a tree in the garden and tells Adam for you to be able to fulfill the promise of Genesis 1:27, where it says go be fruitful and subdue the earth you must first of all subdue yourself you must first of all learn obedience by saying no to this of course Adam and his wife fell to the trick of the devil who said why would God Tell us this. What is wrong with this? Same thing with Abraham. God says, Abraham, give me a child. God didn't need a son. God did not need a child sacrifice. But for Abraham to step in to the place where he could command kingdoms to come and bless him, and for God to be able to cast everyone who cast Abraham, Abraham himself had to learn obedience. And so you understand, most believers are wondering why there is no obedience from demons and from creation. And yet in themselves there is no creation, there is no obedience. In other words, you cannot gain territory outside if the enemy already has territory in you. And so the biggest battle is not against the strongholds out there. The biggest battle is not against principalities out there. The biggest battle is against strongholds in here. And so he says, we fight against, we bring down strongholds. We bring down every other thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know when, when God says, you must forgive. You must forgive. And then there is another voice in you that says, but they hurt me. You do not know them. You don't know what they say about me. You don't know what they say about to me. You don't know what they have done to me. I cannot forgive them. And so there is you, Pastor Isitia's idea, and there is God's idea, and there is this thing that lifting itself against the word of God. So God says, type. And you say, I can't type. I'm not going to tell you. I'll give what I want. 
It's my money. And I decide what I want to do with it. Really, it is. But the idea is not even about the money. The idea is not even about forgiveness. The idea is not even about that thing you think that God really wants about you. The, the idea is God is about to get you from the garden into the earth so you can demand obedience. But if you cannot say yes to God's word and no to the desire for fruit, you will never be qualified to demand obedience. And so he says then that we bring down and we subject every thought under the obedience of Jesus. My brother was very smart in my opinion. He told me this one day and I thought it was a very smart one. He said there's a lot of things I don't understand in the Bible. But every time I find something I don't get, I assume God knows and I leave it. I don't have to understand it. If I don't get it, and he's very smart. So you would assume he knows everything and if he doesn't understand it, then it must be wrong. He says, if I don't understand it, I assume God knows better than me and I leave it in their own question. And so for us, James says this, that a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways and will never receive anything from him. What he's saying, a double-minded person is not trustworthy and cannot receive an inheritance. And this is how a double-minded happens. There is what God has said, and so there is a mind of God, and then there is what you believe, you experience, and there is what you think in your mind, and that's what you feel in your in your emotions. And so you have the mind of God that says you must do this, and then there is your mind, your experience, your thoughts, your emotions, and you are telling you this. So the Pope the other day said we're going to change the, the Lord's Prayer. So no longer says do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And of course the question is, does God lead us into temptation? And I'm sure you have asked yourself that. And the Pope asked himself that. And he decided this must be wrong. Because in our minds, why should we be asking God not to lead us into temptation? In, in your logical thinking, someone messed up someone. But when it comes to following God, we just follow, no questions asked. Do you think God likes child sacrifices? Do you think God likes child sacrifices? Okay, this is not a tricky question. <laughs> Do you think God wants people to sacrifice their children? No, he has said over and over again, you shall not make your children to pass over the fire. Don't kill your children. And then he tells Abraham, kill your child. So what do you do? You say, well, you know, you said this. No, you do what I say. You leave the rest. Your arguments stop here. And so he says, we bring down arguments, we bring down pride, we bring down pretense, we bring down every high thing. And so you have in your brain, in your thought, a very clear demarcation what God said 
that includes your experiences, that includes your thinking, includes your feelings. On this side, there is what you believe and what you feel. On this side, there is what God has said. All of this makes you feel good and makes sense. All this is what God says. Whether it feels good or makes sense, he just says it and doesn't explain it. And so eventually our battle is to get ourselves where this wall is broken and this is eliminated. And so we can only follow what God says. Because this wall was created by his word. Amen. The world was created by God's word. And so, the person who will have dominion over the world is the person whose the word has dominion over them. Say 
love our children just the same. But they are children and then they are children. Eh? They are children you will tell, you watch over your brothers and sisters. You, I will give you the keys to the house. You, I will give you this. Because you know that they obey you. And then they are children. They might be even older than the others. And you know if I leave, this house will be burned. So he says, if you keep my commandments, my father will love you. We say God's love is without condition. There is a condition. Begins with if. And so I want your heart to be convicted of this. That for you, kutiisha, that's a Swahili word, to subdue the world outside. For demons to hear your name and trump you. For you to walk into a room and demons flee. You need to be so subdued before God. You need to have obedience in you that you may demand obedience outside. That you may be able to punish all disobedience when our own obedience is fulfilled. That's the introduction. Now, we have said this, that how we deal with our internal, uh, our internal environment is through the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, they are nine. They allow us to project the power of God. They show the power of God. The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are in 1 Corinthians 12. The fruit of the Spirit are in Romans 5.22. And they show the character of the nature of God. The gift shows the power. The fruit shows the nature of the character of God. And so we've talked about all of them apart from God. We've talked about love. We've talked about joy. We've talked about peace. We've talked about patience. We've talked about self-control. We've talked about gentleness. Um, Bring me on the remaining. How many? Two. Two? Well, Which one have you remaining? Kindness and goodness. Huh? Kindness and goodness. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking it's one. Because kindness and goodness are the highest nature of God. Kindness and goodness. Over and over again, they say this in, 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 uh, in Psalms 137, Psalms 138, and uh, let Israel say that the Lord is good and his kindness endures forever. Praise the Lord, O Israel, for the Lord is good and his kindness endures forever. When Moses said, I want to know you. When he said, I want you to show me your ways. Because in, 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 in Exodus chapter 35, 33, 35, Moses says, number two, he says two things. Number one, I want you to show me your glory. Number two, I want to know your ways. One, I want to see your glory. Number two, I want to know your ways. And so God says, I will show you, to you my glory, and you see me as I pass. And then he says, the second thing, I will declare myself. That is how you will know my ways. 
I will declare myself. It says, I am the Lord God that punishes sin to a fourth generation. I am the Lord God. I am good and kind and I cause my goodness to reach to a thousand generations. How God taught Moses his ways, he showed him his goodness and his kindness. Now when it comes to goodness and kindness, it's the highest level of your maturity in faith. If you can learn to operate with goodness and kindness. Romans chapter 2 verse 4, the Bible says, Do you not know that it is the kindness and the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? People don't repent because of how hot hell is. People don't repent because of how bad the demons are. People repent, they turn their ways because of the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. Do you not know that it is the kindness and the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? When it comes to kindness <coughs> and goodness, you see, I can love you and never need really to be kind to you. I can offer my goods to the, uh, to the homeless and I can clothe the naked and visit the prison, but I never really need to be kind to them. The point where we are really, really tested whether we have matured in the spirit is where we show kindness even to our enemies. Jesus says, if he is hungry, offer him food. Do you know the song people are singing these days? Uh, pray for your enemies so they can see you get blessed. <laughs> eh? So they can live, pray for your enemies to live long so they can see you get blessed. Mm. That's not the idea. Even when we are told to put coals on top of their head, that was not to burn them. The cause of our food was so they can melt their hearts by the goodness of God. And so that their icy hearts, they can be melted. And so the question is not whether you can forgive. That is elemental. The question is whether you can reveal the character of God in kindness and goodness to people who don't deserve it. When you have every reason to retaliate, when you have every reason to say I will never talk to you, when you have every reason to give someone the business, when you have every reason and power, to say I will love you, just don't have to be close to you. I will love you from afar. And so this is now the word of God. Who even when we were sinners, he brought us near. Now he's saying, are you able to do the same to get the character that I have? Are you willing to put what you think, what you feel, what you can do and begin to believe
the gift of kindness and goodness. Surely, goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. That word kindness in Swahili it says ukarimi. It's the word for generosity. It is the kindness of God. It is the generous nature of God that a soul was costing 33 cents. That was the price that they had put on a soul. 33 cents. That's what they sold Jesus for. But God paid with his own son. God would have paid for each of them, every one of us, at three cents, at three cents, at three cents. And by the end of the round of the thing, he would have been five bucks for the people in this room. He didn't have to pay with his son. But out of his generosity, he paid not only for us, but for the entire world. Every single person ever born, they said there's been about 700 billion of us throughout creation. And he paid for each of us. Even if all of us got saved, we will not finish the price of us paid. God is abundant in kindness. Are you? Abundance in goodness. Are you? He has given us trees more than we ever use. Water more than we ever finish. Air more than we ever use. He has given us these things in abundance. So that you can also start walking in abundance. You're not running out of forgiveness. You're not saying I forgive ten times now. That's it for today. Jesus says, what they Peter asked, how many times should I forgive you? Jesus says, 70 times 7 each day. That was the number of infinity. You forgive, you forgive, you forgive, you forgive, you forgive. Because it's so much forgiveness in you. You are looking to just give it. You are you are full, you are burning. Out of his abundance, we have received Christ. The highest level of maturity in this world is when we begin to exhibit abundance. The abundance of kindness and goodness when we are generous to a fault. Where people live in diseases. We were talking with Mom the other day, how he would bless the children of Israel, knowing that they will leave him. And then he will bless them again. Then he will bless them again. Then we will leave him, go some other gods. When they come, even though he knows when I bless you, you're going to leave, he will still bless them. He would bless them and bless them even though he knew. He, he, he was not running out of things. actually that, that, that point they are, they are created and redeemed 
their maker and redeemer is God. Jesus did not die, Christian. Jesus died for all the world. And the Bible says it causes rain to fall on the good and the righteous. He's not running out of rain. He gives the good people rain. He gives the evil people rain. And that is the height of perfection, by the way. That is the height of Matthew 5 for him. He says, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The height of perfection is when our love is, 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 is perfected in kindness and goodness. Why people know this person has no buttons that I can push. This person has nothing. We can argue, we can do this, I can talk about it, I can post things on Facebook, but when they come around and I need something, this person will still bless me. I'll use them and they have still rooted me in the mouth. I have hated them, I have spoken to them about them. And so he says, Matthew 5 for be therefore perfect. So he says, pray for your enemies, do not cast them, bless them, and all of that. He says, be like your father who causes them to reign on the good and on the evil, and be therefore perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. What he is saying, be so abundant that you're not worried about who came to your birthday party, you're not worried about who came to your baby shower. You, when, whenever you need to give, you're not checking who gave you the event or not. You are so abundant, you give because you're blessed. Love is patient, love is kind. It's possible to be patient and not kind. Yeah? You can be patient with someone and not kind. And so, as I said, we had a birthday party, and as I said, she waited for me for like an hour or so. But when they saw me, they could easily have said, We have come to the party, and then not talk to me the whole time. He was there, he was patient. But if he can't, he's going to hug me, he's going to say, I've enjoyed the fellowship, and not try to make uh, funny comments about it. Because <laughs> we do that, we can be patient. But we said, I will not be kind. I will not like my company. So the one, because God, God, God's character, God's premier, preeminent character, the highest character of God, is goodness and kindness. When God really wants you to know him, he will show you how kind and generous he is. Jesus shed his blood. God made them and then God redeemed them. They 
doubly belong to God in making and in redeeming. There's someone who has wanted me a while ago. And I felt I should pray for my death or at least destruction. Then one day God told me, if you had found them on the street, would you have preached them about Jesus? If they were not saved, would you have preached Jesus to them? Yeah, of course. How can you love a sinner on the street more than you love your brother who is in church? How can you be kinder? So that's brotherly kindness. And it's easier to be kind. It's easier to be kind to someone you don't know. It's easier to be kind to someone here on church on Sunday than to be <coughs> kind to your husband on your way home. Your husband can drive 70 miles an hour and you, you give him hard time going for you. I can carry in my car and I drive 70 miles an hour and you are kind to me. And so he says, actually, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Being kind to the person next to Because they are the hardest people to be kind. They are the hardest people to be kind. When people are dating, he's talking the whole time. This is it. He was telling me that. Hello. Hello. And then he stayed there three hours. Oh, you hang up. You hang up. You hang up. Hang up. No, you hang up. Did you get married? What do you need? Okay. 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 I'm hanging up now. Let me hang up. Because you're married. But when Pastor Zico, hey, how are you doing? How is your day? How are things? How is your family? Ah, I'm glad to hear. I heard you, uh, you had a headache the other day. How's your headache going? Same here. Oh, you bless the Lord. Oh, you pray for me over the phone. It's easier to be kind to a stranger than to a brother. Brother, the kindness, this is what it came to back up. The last one, which is not as important, but it's good for you to know. Everybody is fighting a battle you don't know. Everybody is fighting a battle you have no idea. Be kind. They are getting burdens you have no idea. You walk into Walmart and the cashier is giving you a bad eye, or they look at you funny and you say they don't like black people. No, you don't know what they are going through. You don't know what they lost. You don't know what. They found a phone. You don't know the phone call they just received. You don't know if they have just been fired. You don't know. Be kind. People are going through battles. You have no idea. And sometimes people just have bad days. Allow people to have bad days. And because you are kind and generous, you can cover that. That I have space in me. I have space in my heart for people who have bad days. I have space in my heart 
for kindness and generosity that your day will not ruin my day. In fact, I will make your day. And so I'm not looking for people with bad days to give me bad days. I'm looking for people with bad days to give them good days. Because that's actually where we are. The Bible says that the, 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 the husband who is born again, and he has a wife who is not born again, they don't become defiled. The husband, the holy husband, actually makes the wife holy. Because we are in God. The abundance of God. I have so much holiness. I make even my unbelieving wife holy. In the Old Testament, it used to be the other way. The person with the sin would infect and defile him. And so they would say, take them outside. Take all these people and stone them. In the New Testament, we bring them. We bring them and then we infect them with holiness. If they are having bad days, bring them. And now my peace will rule over their heart. As instead of worrying about people taking advantage of you, just realize how much like God kindness makes you. The abundance and generosity. That you have so much abundance, people can drink from you, people can borrow from you, people can come and take money from you, people can come up with all kinds of reasons to get things from you, and yet you have more than enough to offer. Goodness and kindness. And now Romans, he says, are you, are you, uh, or are you showing, are you despising the goodness and the kindness of God. Because in Romans 2, he's saying about these people who are saying, we are Jews and you are not, and God does not like you and he likes us. And he says, are you despising the goodness and the kindness of God? You was pointing fingers and saying, they are not us. They deserve to die. They deserve to go to hell. We just celebrated, we celebrated or observed September 11th. Guess you can't celebrate. We observed September 11th. After September 11th, I was in Kenya and all these news were on there and I was, was hoping to come here maybe in two years or so. And I remember I was so angry, I was so mad, and I would tell everybody who would listen, I want people to catch for some of the and I want him to be crucified. As a watch that I could think of. And I, my idea was crucify him one day a month. Crucify him before he dies, take him down, take him to the doctor, let him be healed. Then next month come do it again. That's, that's, that's my solution to that problem. And I can remember where I was standing. Because I have heard God's voice very clear. And he said, do you know I died for something? And I was like, wait a minute. I mean, I was not overwhelmed by God's goodness. I was angry, like a journal. How dare you say that the simpler that washed me is the simpler that is available for something? I would rather have someone be washed by a different blood. He said, Do you know that I died in order? I felt like I needed to open the Bible and check that I was. Even though I knew it in here, 
infant rapist, infant murder, every evil which in the world, he died for them, he loved them. He has no desire that any should perish. No desire. Your worst enemy is not desire that should perish. But they should turn and come to you. And how do they turn? How do they turn? How will the world turn? How will your enemies turn? How will the people around you turn? How will the teacher who hates your child turn? How will the cashier woman, how will they change? Romans 2. I've quoted it, let's just read it, and then we'll finish. Romans 2. So, verse 3. So, when you, a male man, has judgment on them again in the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Romans 2, 3. Verse 4. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? If you underline, I would ask you to underline that, those two words. The riches of his kindness. The riches of his kindness. God is rich in kindness. God who is rich in mercy. Paul says, when he chose to show me his son Jesus, God is rich, he is abundant in kindness. Will you show contempt? So how do they show contempt? When they think that God wants nothing to do with these people. Kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards not knowing that it is his kindness and his goodness that leads you to repentance. And so these two, these two, David says, surely goodness and kindness will always follow. All the days of my life. How can we ask for goodness and kindness and we are not giving it ourselves? Maybe we have shown contempt for his goodness and kindness. Maybe we have not accepted his goodness and his kindness. Maybe we are not using opportunities to exercise goodness and kindness. Maybe we are still afraid. And that is the last word I want to use. Afraid. Fear of being used. Fear of being used. The reason we do not want to exercise kindness. We are afraid of being used. Imagine if your enemies knew you forgive 70 times, 7 times a day. If your enemies knew that, you would be afraid. And that's what they would start doing. Come as with you. And then after 70 times, they say, well, we have 7 times 70. 6 times 70 now to go. I don't know if I've told you this. There's a pastor who, who opened a couple seminar like this. He said, my wife and I, when we wake up, we tell each other, I love you and I have forgiven you all the sins you will do against me today. 
stories. Say that again. I love you and I have forgiven you all the things that you do to offend me today. And of course, the first question is, you know my wife? <laughs> if my wife knew that I have forgiven her all the sins, and that's what was going on, not only in men, but in women. I wake up in the morning and my wife knows I've forgiven her. She will walk all over me. He will walk all over me. I need him to think. There's a line he can cross. And we are done. Now imagine living in a life where there's no line. There's no line around me. That abundant. But there's no line. That is now the fear. And I pray that God deliver us to that. That is the fear that we do not want to be taken advantage of. We do not want to be used. That is what causes us not to step into the riches of kindness. We show kindness while we are afraid. I will forgive you. And in fact, what we do, I will forgive you but I will first let you suffer a little bit. And so, if it's your husband, you give him some silent treatment so he can think very well of what he did. Huh? Or oh, you give people time off. Mm-hmm. You don't really give children time off. Mm-hmm. Go there and think about what you did. Because I'm afraid. If I show people kindness, they will use me. They will cause my life. They will receive me. Now Jesus said, Blessed are you when people use you. You know that verse? Matthew 5. Mm. Uh, it says Beatitudes. Mm. At the end, he says, Blessed are you when people use you. They uh, actually says, Despitefully use you. And say, Man, all man of false things against you. Mm. For so they did against the prophets. Your reward is great in heaven. All the other beatitudes, he said the reward is greater here. You shall be comforted, you shall inherit the earth, you shall do this. But for this one, he didn't even have a reward. He said your reward is great in heaven. He did not tell them what they will get. It is great in heaven. When you remove, erase every line. Now, the Bible says, in First John, it says, fear has to do with the punishment. Whoever fears is not perfected in love. But the perfect love casts away all fear. And so whenever we are perfected in love, we remove the fear of being used. We remove the fear of punishment because people know how kind I am. And someone said, the reason I love Pastor Jacob is because you can disagree with him, you can argue with him, and you're still his friend. And I thought, don't announce it. I'm going to tell you people that. And then they decide that, oh, okay, we can come and argue with him and quarrel with him. And that's the thing. My prayer is for me and for you. We will erase the lies. We will love without fear, and that will be perfected in love, and fear that perfect love cast 
He said, I knew you were coming. Feeling called me. They, they knew that she needed to go speak. I knew you were coming. So she gets even mad. And then he said, God has a word for you. She said, okay, what God, what does God has for me? He says, God said, eat a cookie. Eat a what? Eat a cookie. She gets angry, furious. Eat a cookie. If you have need, just lift up your hand. I'll pray for you whatever. 